Well, good morning. My name is Brad. I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, so glad you've joined us this morning. So glad you've uh, chosen to worship Jesus and would want to do that here with us. And uh, so glad to have our kids here. It's so good to, to uh, worship together with our kids just for a few minutes this morning. Well, hey, uh, this past summer, uh, my wife and I had the chance to take our two girls to, uh, on a road trip. And so we got in the car and we drove out west to Wyoming and Colorado. And I love Colorado. I think it's the greatest place on earth. Spent a lot of time out there up in the mountains. And Kelly and I have been there together before, but we never had a chance to take our girls with us. And so I was so pumped up to get to go to this place that I love and share it with these little people that I love. And so we get out there and the first morning we're there, we're going to hike a mountain. Okay, so we got, we're staying in a cabin. We, we get our backpacks packed, get our water bottles ready. Uh, and we get in the van. We borrowed a minivan to go out there. So we get in the minivan and we're driving to the trailhead where the trail's going to start to go up the mountain. And we're driving on this highway and you turn off the highway onto kind of a backcountry road, paved, great. Drive a little, a few more miles, you turn off the country road onto a uh, gravel road, okay, go a few more miles, we're going up the mountain, turn off the gravel road onto a dirt road, okay, we're, we're getting a little bit of the shakes a little bit, but we're good, the minivan's doing great. We're going up, back, forth, back, forth, up, and then the last turn you got to make before you do the final stretch, you go through kind of a gate, and then you drive onto what I could only describe as a wide strip of mud full of rocks and boulders, okay? It had rained a ton, and so the mud was deep, and so here we go in this borrowed minivan, and we're doing this, we're kind of doing this thing, and we're bouncing, and I'm trying to find that sweet spot between going fast enough that we don't stop and get stuck, but not going so fast that we hit a rock and tear off the inner side of the van. And after about a mile or so, I start to think, I think we should turn around. And as I start to say, I think we should turn around, I can't finish it because I feel the van kind of do this and then stop and then do this. <laughs> and so we get out of the van and I, immediately we look around and I've got two feelings right away. The first is like panic. Because I know how like, far away from civilization we are, and, and you know, I, I look around, we got some willing spirit, but not a lot of like, offensive linemen you know, muscle to, to push the van out. And at the same time, I just had this, this sense of like, loss, right? Because I've, you know, I don't judge me, I've done this before. <laughs> I know we're not going hiking today. You know, we're going we're gonna to get the van out, we're going to get back down, but we're not, we've lost our day of hiking. It's, I can immediately tell it's over. And so... Uh, you know, we get out and, and uh, we start digging around underneath the tires and, and uh, we made it. We survived, right? We were back and uh, we made a lot of memories that day. A lot of family memories were made and, and we learned a lot. Yeah, we, we learned a lot, a lot of lessons about leverage and, and how to get the van rocking before you hit the gas. And, and uh, you know, we probably had a better time than we would have if we would have just hiked. But the whole time that we're digging, the whole time that we're pushing, the whole time that we're, you know, uh, you know yelling at each other, the whole time I've just got this, this thought of like, oh, I cannot believe this. We drove all this way from Indiana. I cannot believe we are here. We were on the right track. And now we're not. How did this happen? And maybe you've had that feeling before. Maybe literally like this, you've been on the side of the road. Or maybe you've got your car stuck in the mud as well. Or maybe you felt it at a heart level, right? Like, how did I get here in life? Maybe you've woken up one morning and just thought, I, I can't believe I'm here. I can't believe I'm stuck like this. And that, that feeling is, is a painful feeling. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning is how do we process pain? 
how do we deal with the, the tough stuff of life? How do, we, how do we intake pain in our lives and process it in a way that honors God? Because everybody's going to experience pain. Everybody's going to feel something that's, that's hard at some point. That's almost so basic, I don't even need to say it. But we all experience pain because of the world that we live in. Right? And, and sometimes we get almost surprised by pain. Like, I can't believe I'm... I can't believe this hurts. I can't believe this is happening right now. Sometimes we get, uh, in, we've experienced so much pain that we almost get resigned to it. Like we just expect it. Like, man, this is, life is just really tough and it's just going to be hard. And I guess I just got to grip my teeth and get through it. But when we begin to discover who God is, when we, when we begin to learn who we are in light of who he is, when we dig into the truth of scripture, we see that God has something so much better for us than being overwhelmed by pain. God has something so much better for us than just being resigned to a life of pain. The Bible has truth that we need. The Bible has living water for our tired souls when it comes to how we process pain. We're in this series that's called Made to Flourish. And Jason began this series a few weeks ago. and He was talking about this metaphor of a tree. And we've been kind of walking through this metaphor in the series the first part we talked about was the roots. How do we stay connected to God? How do we stay connected to each other? And then we talked about the trunk or the structure. What are the habits and the rhythms that we need that we can build upon? What are the, the, uh, the ways in which we engage our thought and our time and our energy? And last week we started talking about the part of the metaphor of, of the, the leaves and how do we take in what's going on around us? How do we deal with it? Jason talked about confession and the, the gift and, and the power of confession. And, and we're going to continue that kind of leaf metaphor today and then we'll, We'll end up in the next few weeks talking about the fruit of the tree and what gets expressed as we live our life. But how we deal with, how we process the tough stuff of life shows where our hope and our trust lies. That's what we're going to look today as we look in the Bible. Because the Bible is full of people who experience pain. The Bible is full of people who hurt. Some people handle their pain well, some people not so well. But the story of the Bible in some ways, is a story of pain. The story of the Bible is a story of pain, but ultimately it's a story of pain being overcome. Pain being overcome. Because our God is bigger and stronger than the pain that we experience. And he overcomes. The story of our God is a story of a Savior who will not leave us where we are. See, pain is, not, pain is not evidence of God's inability to be in control. Some people will look at the pain that we experience in life and say, see, God doesn't exist. God can't exist. Look at this pain that we're experiencing. Or if he does exist, he clearly doesn't care what happens down here. No, God works in the middle of our pain. God comforts us. He heals us. He works in spite of the pain that we feel. He moves. He leads people through their pain and from their pain. He's able to accomplish what he wants to accomplish no matter how much we hurt each other. That's not to say that our pain doesn't mean anything to him. No, our, our, he cares deeply about the things that hurt us and about us when we hurt. If you open up your Bibles to 1 Peter chapter 5. It's in the New Testament, sort of towards the end of your Bible, 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter was one of Jesus' closest friends, and uh, after Jesus went, went to heaven, Peter was a, was a leader in the early church. 
And we have some of his letters that he wrote to these early churches. And, and so this is 1 Peter, the first letter of his that we have, chapter 5. And he's writing to encourage people who are hurting. This is what he says, 1 Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 7. <clears throat> Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. And the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will restore you and make you strong and firm and steadfast. Pain is not evidence that God is not in control. Pain reminds us that we are not in control. Pain is a reminder that I can't stop myself from hurting. And I don't like that. I don't like to hurt, and I don't like to be reminded that I'm not in control. So when I feel pain, one of the first instincts is to try and take control of something, to try and grab control somewhere. You hurt me, I'll hurt you. Or you hurt me, and I'm just going to remove myself so that I can't get hurt again. Or when life hurts me, I'm going to reach around for something, even if it's not connected to the pain point. I want something to control. Pain is a reminder that we are not in control. But yet again, the Bible has a better way for us to process pain than by simply reacting without thinking. The Bible has a better way for us to overcome pain than just getting stuck and overwhelmed by it. The Bible has a better way for us to deal with the hard things in life than simply trying to insulate ourselves so that we don't feel and we don't feel pain. So this morning I want to look at what the Bible has to say and I want to look at it through the eyes and through the writings of the Apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul is an interesting character when it comes to pain because Paul experienced all kinds of pain. All kinds of pain. Paul had to deal with the pain from his own sin. Paul spent the first part of his adult life overseeing the systematic persecution of Christians. And after he met Jesus, he had to reckon with the pain that that had caused. Paul had to deal with sins of others directed right at him. He spent a lot of his life being uh, attacked and, and having his leadership undermined and questioned by other people. Paul had to deal with the, just the pain of life in general. Paul had, had physical pain that plagued him for a long time. Paul had a depression he dealt with. Paul was shipwrecked three different times. Paul was sued. Paul had to deal with the pain of loss, which is a very unique kind of pain. Paul lost close friendships. Paul lost his status and his reputation as a Jewish teacher. Paul knows pain. Paul knows loss. And so this morning I want to look at what the Bible has to say, what Paul has to say about pain and look at it in kind of three stages of pain. Because you, you might come in here this morning, and as you walk through the doors, you probably told people that, you know, you had a good week. And if you're in this kind of stage of pain, uh, that, that's true. You actually did have a good week. You might say, you know, there's not anything that I could point to right now that's actually hurting. There's not any part of my life that's causing me pain. And if that's true of you, that's amazing. <laughs> that's something to celebrate. But I would say that you are in the stage of, preparing for pain. And there are things you can do now to build a foundation in your own life to prepare for pain that might come. Some of you, though, are in, in this stage of pain, and, and when you walked through the doors this morning, you also told them that you had a good week. But that's not true. You did not have a good week. 
and there's something that hurts. It could be something that happened this week or it could be something that happened a long time ago that still hurts. If if that's you this morning, man, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry that you're hurting. I don't know what it is, but I just want you to know that your your hurt and your pain is acknowledged. And in a few minutes, we'll talk about some biblical truths and some practical steps for you. But just know, I'm sorry, and I'm glad you're here. And some, some of you this morning, when you came in, you would say, I, I'm not in either one of these stages of pain, but there is, there's someone that I love that's hurting. And I want to comfort them and help them in their pain. So you are in the stage of comforting someone in pain. Wherever you are, whatever stage you find yourself in this morning, I think we can look at the Bible and look at what the Apostle Paul has to say. There's something for each of us. So let's start with how to prepare for pain. Preparing for pain. Turn with me to the book of Colossians. Like I said, the Apostle Paul was a, he was a leader in, in the first century church. He traveled around. He was starting churches. He was visiting churches. And he's writing letters to all these different groups of Christ followers in the, in the first century. And so this is the book we call Colossians, uh, just simply because it was a letter written to the people in the city of Colossae. Chapter, uh, chapter 3, starting in verse 1 of Colossians. <clears throat> Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory. Set your hearts and minds on things above. The best time to prepare for a storm is before the storm comes. And how do we do that? Well, I think there's a couple ways we can do that. The first is this, is by digging a deep well with God. Digging a deep well with God. Here's here's what I mean by that. By, by prayer, by understanding what God's word has to say in the Bible, by, by community with each other, we can dig a deep well with God and have something to draw on when the pain comes. And there's, there's plenty of ways to dig a deep well with God. When we follow Jesus, our hearts and our minds are drawn to his ways. The more that we walk with him, the more we're filled with a peace and an understanding of his goodness. As we spend time reading the Bible, putting into practice what it has to say, where we begin to be transformed from the inside out to look more and more like Jesus. As we pray, we develop and we deepen a relationship with God, a relationship that will sustain us no matter what. And as we engage in Christian community with each other, we begin to get this broader picture of the kingdom of God. And it's not about the quantity of those things, right? It's not about how much did you pray this week? Did you read your Bible enough this week? It's not about that at all. It's not about checking off boxes, But if I'm going to stand firm in the storm, if I'm going to have a foundation, I need to be working now to dig that deep well with God. The time to prepare for the storm is not when the wind is blowing and the rain is beating down. The second thing we can do to prepare for pain is to gain an eternal perspective on pain. Gain an eternal perspective on pain. There's an eternal perspective that's so helpful when it comes to processing pain. And that perspective comes from the Bible, but it's really hard to establish that, to internalize that, to metabolize that when you're in the middle of a crisis, when you're in the middle of a painful situation. I say 
gain this eternal perspective on pain in this stage for a reason. Right? It's not impossible to start this when you're in pain, but it can be really tough to do that. An eternal perspective on pain comes from the Bible, it comes from God, it comes from scriptures like Psalm 30. Weeping may stay for the night, but joy comes in the morning. It comes from scriptures like James 1. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. It comes from what Jesus says in John 16. I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you'll have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. Scriptures like these give us a beautiful insight into how pain and suffering can actually be to our benefit in the long run. And it's so helpful to gain this eternal perspective on pain, like I said, before you are in pain. So take the opportunity now to build a foundation and to understand what God's Word has to say about pain and suffering. And the final thing you can do if you're in this stage of preparing for pain, the final thing you can do is just to simply ask yourself this question. Who do I want to be? When I'm in pain? What kind of person do I want to be when life gets really tough? As you wrestle with that question, God will show you things you can be doing now to prepare yourself for who He wants you to be. So that's the first stage of pain. The second stage of pain is when you are in the middle of pain and you're wanting to grow, you're wanting to move forward, you're wanting to flourish in the middle of pain. And if you are in that stage this morning, if you're experiencing hurt or loss or grief today, I don't want you to hear what I'm about to say as a, like a big long list of, of helpful advice for you to do because I know that people love to give you advice when you're in pain. And it's well-meaning, but it doesn't always uh, help. So I don't want you to hear this this morning as like do X and Y and Z as if it was just so easy to do those things. And if you would just do them, then all your pain would go away. I don't, I don't want you to see this as a step-by-step instruction on how to get rid of your pain. But I do want you to know that you can move forward from where you are with God. You can take steps with Jesus. And one of these things might be the right next step for you. Let's look at what Paul has to say. We're going to be now in the book of Philippians. Paul's writing this letter to the, to the early church in, in Philippi, in the city of Philippi. So we're looking at Philippians chapter 4. Starting in verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice. And the God of peace will be with you. When you are in pain, When life is a complete storm, to lean on your foundation. Lean on your foundation, your Bible reading, your prayer, your community, whatever well you've dug, whatever foundation you've built, no matter how feeble it is, no matter how long or how how short you've been building it, lean on it. That's called faithfulness. And God can take the smallest amount of faith and work miracles with it. Whatever it may be, whatever well you dug, whatever truth you have to stand on that comes from Scripture, when you are in the middle of pain, the first thing to do is to remember what you've built and to put it into practice. The second thing you can do when you are in pain is to take some personal action. To take some personal action. It can be uh, just so like a, a natural reaction to hurting to just kind of shut down. 
and close off and become isolated. And that may feel good, but that's not going to get you where you want to go. That's not going to help you move forward. So one of the things you can do is to think about some personal action you can take. And here's what I mean by that. Uh, One personal action step you can take, and this might sound silly to say at church, is to do some basic human body maintenance. Okay, here's what I mean by that. You were created by God to be this interconnected set of systems. Your heart, your mind, and your body. That's how God designed you. He made you that way on purpose. They're all linked together. And when you're hurting, when you're in pain, when you're in grief, there's some real brain chemical changes that happen. You wear out really easily. It's hard to process. It's hard to track and have good conversations like you used to. You feel isolated even if you aren't. Things don't always connect in conversation and at work and at home like they used to. You process slowly. and It's not because there's something wrong with you. No, this is your body's natural reaction to what's going on in your heart and in your head. But that system flows the other way, too. You can help your heart and help your head by what you do with your body. God designed you that way. So I don't, I don't need to tell you all the tips and tricks. We're all adults here. You know to, to get outside and get more sleep, all these things. You, but you have to think through what are some action steps I can take, some basic human body maintenance that will help process the pain that I'm feeling in my head and in my heart. God designed you as a holistic person. He made you that way on purpose, and maintaining the body you've been given goes a long way to helping to process the tough stuff in life. Another real action step you can take when you're in the middle of pain is to move towards Christian community and not away from it. Move towards Christian community. Let's, let's just be kind of real and raw for a second, sometimes the hardest thing to do when you're hurting is to come to church. The hardest thing to do when you've had a week from hell is to come experience a little bit of heaven. And it's probably because, you know, church people. God love them, I'm one of them. But, you know, church people don't always get it right when it comes to helping someone who's hurting, when it comes to like saying the right things around someone who's going through a tough time. But the, one of the best things you can do is to move towards Christian community, not away from it, because we are a communal people. Again, we're designed that way. You can't process the tough stuff of life alone. You can't just white knuckle your way by yourself through your pain. As messed up as the church can be, as fumbling as the church can be, God designed it in such a way that it can carry you, it can comfort you through what you're going through. So here's something you can do if you're in the stage of of in pain and trying to grow through pain. It's okay for you to direct the people around you. Here's what I mean by that. It's okay for you to come and say, hey, you know what's going on with me. And actually what I really need is to not get asked how I'm doing every five minutes what I really need is, could we just kind of have normal conversations like we, like we always do? Could we just like talk about the Colts game and like talk about what's going on with my kids and like let's, you know, let's still keep our workout schedule? You, it's okay to direct the people around you. It's okay to say, hey, you heard about what's going on at home and, and uh, I'm just kind of not going to be myself for a little while. Um, but could you check in on me every now and then? Not like every day, but could you just check in? I'm not going to bring it up. 
but I need somebody to check in on me. Because we love you, and if you're hurting, we're probably hurting too, and so we're not going to get it right all the time, but it really helps us to know what you need. It really helps us if you kind of give us a little direction on, on what you need. Because you're going to need different things from different kinds of people in your life. And so if you're in this stage of, of uh, in pain and trying to grow through pain, here are some questions you can ask yourself to help figure out the kinds of people that you need. And if you have these kinds of people in your life, the first one is this, who do I have that I can be raw with? You're going to need somebody in your life that you can actually talk to about the pain. You can actually talk to about the thing that's hurting you. Who do I have in my life that I can be raw with? Second question to ask yourself, the second kind of person you're going to need is, who do I have that I can be regular with? You're going to need some people to help you just keep normal rhythms every week. If there's somebody that you work out with on a regular basis, it's okay to say, hey, I just, I just need you to help keep me working out together. Right? If there's somebody that you always meet up and you always talk about the TV show last night, like you're going to need somebody to help keep you going in your normal rhythms, whatever those may be. And the third question to ask yourself, the third kind of person you're going to need is, who do I have that's helping me stay connected to God? Who do I have that's, that's pointing me back to the truth of Scripture? Who do I have that's helping me see the light when things get really dark? Who do I have that's keeping me accountable to keep coming to church or a small group or whatever it may be? You can grow. You can heal. You can flourish when you're in this stage of pain. The final stage this morning is the stage of, of wanting to comfort someone who is in pain. So again, let's look at what Paul has to say. Look at 2 Corinthians. Open your, open your Bibles to 2 Corinthians. This is Paul's letter to the church in Corinth. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, starting in verse 3. Paul says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. We are designed to comfort each other. That's the way God made us. We're designed to comfort each other. So practically speaking, if you're in this stage this morning of wanting to comfort someone who is in pain, one of the best things you can do is to ask them what they need. One of the best things you can do is to simply ask them what they need and be okay if they don't like, know exactly what they need. Be okay if they can't like, articulate it just yet. But don't just assume that you know how to comfort them. You don't just assume you know what they need. It's best to not just do stuff to do stuff. It's best to not just say stuff to someone who's hurting because you feel like you need to say something. Okay, and here's a real practical question you can ask when someone you love is hurting. You can ask them, do you have someone that you're talking to about what's going on? Do you have someone that you're processing the pain with? Like we talked about it a minute ago. They're, they're going to need someone in their life that they're processing the pain with, but they're not going to need to process it with everybody. So ask them, do you have someone that you're talking to about what's going on? And then be okay if, that, if the answer is yes, but it's, it's not you. That's okay. They may need you to be the person that helps them just kind of keep some regular rhythms in their life. They may need you to be the person that helps keep them connected to God. Those are critical roles for them as well. Another thing that you can do when you are comforting someone who is in pain is to give lots of grace 
lots of grace and recognize that some things for them right now are just going to be really hard. They're just going to be really hard. When they're in pain, their world is, is kind of shrinking a little bit. It's getting squeezed and stressed. And some things on the periphery are just going to be really tough for them as they hurt and they heal. They might need help in those areas, or they might just need you to give them some grace and let some things slide while they deal with what's going on. So don't overlook the ministry of a DoorDash gift card so they don't have to think about cooking. Don't overlook the ministry of taking care of yard work for somebody if they have said, you know, it's just killing me. I can't get to my yard while I'm dealing with, with what's going on. Don't overlook the ministry of covering your coworkers' responsibilities while they deal with what's going on at home. They might not need you to be the one they have heart-to-heart, deep, long conversations about what's going on. They might just need you to give them some grace with things that are on the periphery and recognize that those things are just, they're just really tough right now. So as you're comforting someone in pain, as you're walking with them through the storm, here's some questions that you can ask yourself. Number one, what do they need from me? Which is a different question than what do I want to give them? Number two, what do they need to hear? Which is a different question than what do I want to say? What do they need from me? What do they need to hear? And then finally, what am I learning about God? What am I learning about myself? What am I learning about this other person? And as you answer these questions, as you, as you stay locked into your own foundation, your own well that you've dug with God, I think you'll find that as you are comforting someone in pain, God is growing you as well along the way. See, pain really forces us to answer the question about where our hope lies. When you hurt, what is your hope for healing? What is your hope for healing? Some of us deal with pain as if the only hope for healing was with inside of us, right? I can deal with it alone. I can grin and bear it. If I just stuff it, it'll go away. I can remove myself so that I don't get hurt anymore. And all those responses point to a hope that lies within inside of us. It's my pain, so it's my responsibility to fix it. But Jesus offers such a better way. Jesus offers such a better way. Jesus offers a hope that can actually deliver on its promise. When we stop hoping in our strength and begin to hope in the cross of Christ, that's where faith begins. The hope of Jesus is not some mythical thing that can't really have any day-to-day application. The hope of Jesus is not some slogan that, that doesn't mean anything. No, the hope of Jesus is real, and it meets you in your pain or wherever you are in these stages of pain because we have a Savior who knows what it's like to hurt. We have a Savior who is well acquainted with suffering. He knows all these different kinds of pain. He comes to us in our pain with real comfort and real healing. And so this morning, in just a moment, we're going to receive the bread and the cup in communion. And we, we receive this not because we have earned a seat at our Savior's table. We receive the bread and the cup out of humble gratitude towards the Savior who's overcome the pain and the trouble 
in our world. His, his death and his resurrection invites us to sit at his table and to eat and to drink with him. So for those who have died to their old lives and live new with Christ, this is our time to celebrate and to remember the hope that we have in Jesus. And if you're not following Jesus this morning, I'm so glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. And I would encourage you to take the next few moments to consider what might change in your life. What might change in how you process through the tough stuff of life if you were to begin following Jesus today. But for now, the table of Jesus is open for those who would follow him. So come, take the bread and the cup. You can take it back at your seats.